The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely on our website at kopn.org. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist, and I'm on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture. And I am delighted today to have a colleague of mine, also a fellow dietitian, Diane Emery. She happens to hold a master's in business administration. She's also the director of nutrition services for Fletcher Allen Healthcare in Vermont. Diane, welcome. Thanks very much, Melinda, for having me. I wanted to have you on because you are doing remarkable work within our healthcare system. And I hesitated to call it a healthcare industry, although I know that some people do call it that. But I think that you have brought an element of humanity to the nutritional services at your hospital, and that's what I want to talk about. Was it always a good place to have food and patients or did you see a need for change and then set the course for action? Well, I think we've had a long-standing commitment to quality food, but we didn't know maybe that much about the origins of the food, and that's really what we've been focusing on in the last, you know, four or five years. In my own experience, my own recent experience in which my daughter had been hospitalized because of a traumatic injury, I have witnessed firsthand after about 30 years of being away from hospital food service Some of the changes, I see a lot of industrial kinds of foods, things like puddings that don't need to be refrigerated, a lot of processed food, a lot of food that comes in styrofoam. And then I visited your hospital website, and I thought, ooh, that looks so much better. You've got a truly much more sustainable food system going on. How did you make that transition, or at least keep those industrial things from running away with your nutritional services? Well, I think we started as a management team about four or five years ago, really with a commitment to really just changing our food system across the state, and we knew that we were a big enough purchaser in the state. Our CEO likes to call us the biggest restaurant in Vermont, Um, and we just had a commitment to learning about the food environment and doing our best really to be able to put our money into the state, first of all, and into good local farm businesses that would benefit us in terms of food quality. Um, And we just have a real commitment to food quality, but also food that's good for our patients and the community. So you had a CEO from the get-go who had an understanding about the importance of food and health. She did. She's always had an understanding and supported it. I have to say, in all honesty, I think at the beginning she wasn't really aware of all the details of really what we were working on, and now she's completely aware in the last couple of years and fully, fully supportive. She just thinks, you know, her quote is, it's just the right thing to do. And she, she is a doctor as well, so she, you know, she can certainly appreciate the importance of prevention. It's the cheapest health prevention you can buy. How did you move her along the continuum of awareness? We've gotten, to be honest, a lot of community attention because our farmers talk to each other. And once the word got out that we were really serious about this, the community would engage with her from anywhere from big businesses to just patients coming in. 
And then also we've gotten a lot of national publicity, and she just really wants to be aware of the details so that she can speak to them because she's very, very proud of this program, and she thinks it's it's an important model for the country. So she's really up-to-date on what we're doing, and she actually spoke at a workshop that we led just three weeks ago, a national workshop on sustainable food, and she did the introduction because she felt it was that important. That's really terrific. Tell me something. The biggest barrier that I've heard during my my recent experience when I bring up the the issue of quality food is cost. You know, yeah, we'd like to make changes, but you know, it costs too much money. And you know, I have to laugh because we we don't bat an eye when it comes to paying exorbitant amounts of money for all kinds of other things such right. as medications, but why this reluctance to spend more on food? I'm not sure that there is always a reluctance, but I know it's definitely a perceived barrier. I hear it all the time. We do, though, as a management team in my department, we spend a lot of time on food costs, and we have a meeting every two weeks where we're all charged to bring in new items or new farm partnerships and we have to find ways to save money to be able to buy, you know, healthier, higher quality foods because we don't necessarily always get a bigger budget. Mm-hmm. I can tell you, though, that the cost of our food is in the lower range. So the cost of your food, um, I actually looked at a, a slide that you had prepared where you showed the cost of your food versus the revenues that you're yes. bringing in. And I was amazed, yes, the the cost for your food has gone up while Mm -hmm. you've made these changes, but the revenue has gone up considerably more. Exactly. It it goes up higher than the volume and the cost. So we're actually more profitable than we were before we started this program. And so, yes, I I take the comments around cost with a grain of salt because if you're creative about it, you can actually make this work to your advantage in terms of a business approach. And I'm sure that people, because you are serving more sustainable, local, fresh foods in your hospital, I'm, I'm assuming that also transfers to your cafeteria? Yeah, actually, I think it's even more so in our retail areas, just because we have a little bit more liberty in terms of the menu. Mm-hmm. So you've got healthcare staff, as well as patient families looking forward to eating there. Absolutely, and the word is that people hop on the shuttle in Burlington to come up to the hospital for lunch. Oh, that's 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 amazing. All right, well, let's talk about let's get down to the nitty gritty here. Yeah. In your presentation, you had spoken about some easy wins, and one of those easy wins was to have local cheese and some dairy products that were. RBST free. And for Mm -hmm. people who don't understand what RBST is, that's the growth hormone that's given to cows. Not a really good thing to do to cows because it tends to stress them and they tend to get more teat infections and need more antibiotics. But one of the things you did was to move towards dairy products that did not contain or from animals that were not treated with this artificial hormone. What else were, would you consider to be an easy win? Well, I think in lots of lots and lots of areas in the country, I would say beef is actually a fairly easy win because that was something that we did very early on. We switched all of our ground beef specifically was the first 
cut that we changed, and it's very affordable because most restaurants don't use a lot of it. And so local beef suppliers, if you have any of them in the area, they can't get rid of that ground beef, and hospitals use a lot of ground beef. So I would say that that's probably an easy win. On the cheese front, it actually has reversed a little bit in that one of our local cheese suppliers unfortunately went out of business, so we're still on the hunt for uh, mozzarella that's RBST-free, and it is incredibly difficult to find. So I think anybody out there that's purchasing large amounts of foods the way we are, I would love to see us sort of band together and, and start demanding a little bit more from our suppliers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and speaking of suppliers, do you find that there are constraints within your contracts with suppliers? Um, we've actually gone outside our contracts frequently. Mm-hmm. I try to work within the contracts, but it's also the fact that, for instance, one company will claim they're RBST-free, so when you investigate a little bit further, you have to buy it from a certain plant, mm-hmm. and they might not be able to confirm that it that kind of cheese comes from that plant every time. So you really, in essence, don't many times don't know what you're buying. Mm-hmm. Very frustrating. It's much better to have a personal one-on-one relationship with a local farmer. Exactly. They'll tell you. They'll look you in the eye. They'll tell you exactly how they grow it or produce it. They'll tell you if they're having a problem, too, so you don't have to guess. Mm-hmm. And it seems like if you have this relationship with a local farmer, then you can tell that farmer exactly what you're looking for, and it seems like it's a a relationship where it's an interdependent relationship. Mm -hmm. So it it sounds win-win. All right, another one of your easy wins that you had stated was organic tea and coffee. And I raised my eyebrows when I saw that because that was one that I thought, oh, surely that faced a cost barrier. Not at all. It is so profitable. Really? Really? Absolutely. We put, the first time we put, we've had Green Mountain Coffee for a long time. It's a local vendor. And as soon as we put our fair trade coffee out, 10 cents more a cup, and we never got one complaint, not one. And we serve thousands of cups of coffee a day. So I would say easy win, very, very profitable. And do the patients receive that coffee as well? Uh, they don't. Green Mountain Coffee doesn't have a great system for patients because it's just the regular liquid brew. Mm-hmm. I would love to be able to do that for patients. I haven't figured that one out yet. Well, this is a this is a working project, Absolutely. right? We're, we're we're building this new sustainable hospital healthcare food system from the ground up. I think, mm-hmm. and it's work every day. I can tell you. Yeah. What are your biggest challenges? Uh, I think time. Every new supplier that we have takes enormous amounts of time really to get to work on the relationship, figure out really if they have what you want to buy, if, if what they have will work for you. And then just sourcing takes an enormous amount of time because there's so little information about really how our food is grown that you have to ask question after question and Distributors rarely know the answer, Mm. and so they have to go searching for the answer. It's very, very time-consuming. So that's absolutely a barrier. That's much worse of a barrier than the cost. In terms of the farmers themselves, do you require the farmers to have some sort of insurance plan? We do. All of our farmers 
have it anyway because most of them do farmer's markets or sell in other ways. And so I've only discovered one farmer that I've spoken to one time that didn't have insurance, and he was very funny. He was a potato grower. And I said, and do you carry insurance? And he said, insurance for what? Yeah. (laughs) Apparently it's not always recognized, but many, many of our farmers had it anyway. So we require at least one million, uh, and most farmers carry at least two anyway. So Okay, so that is not a barrier. Or no. farmers who want to develop relationships with hospital food service don't have to worry about that being a barrier to them. I don't think so. What about distribution? Or do you find that there are any problems with getting the food from the farm to the hospital? It can be a challenge. I mean, I think we work with more than 30 local producers now, and we can't have 30 local trucks coming up to the dock necessarily. So luckily, we're a big enough purchaser that we have a local company called Black River Produce. They're a distributor for Vermont and New England. And if we identify a product from a farmer that we really want, if it's best for the farmer and it's best for us to go through a distributor, they'll often pick up that product for us, which is a great benefit because then all of the other hospitals in Vermont can have access to it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think working out all of the nuts and bolts to getting the good food to the hospital is certainly part of the formula for success. If a hospital food service director were in your shoes and wanted to make some changes within their particular program, what are some of the first things you would suggest that they do? I know personally I tackled the things that when I walked into maybe my retail area or my kitchen, I just wasn't happy with because you want to tackle the things that will be personally rewarding but also rewarding for your customers. So right off the bat, years ago, we tackled the fryers. We got rid of all our fryers. And then we took on styrofoam because I couldn't stand seeing all of this good food being served on styrofoam plates. So... I think it's very personal because this is a commitment that is personal. And so I would say start with whatever irks you the most or start with what will be the most fun and rewarding for you because this is supposed to be also fun work. That's why I do it. And so I would say if you have a farm partner that you've met, maybe at a farmer's market or if you have a CSA that you get that you think you could strike a relationship with at work, that's a great place to start. In addition to the organic coffee that you've got, what are you have you been able to have organic products served to your patients? We do have some organic food. It's not always our first thing that we rate. Usually it's how is it produced, how far away is it, um, and organic is in the mix of those characteristics that we rate, but it's not always required. The other thing in Vermont is that a lot of our farmers are very, very frugal and they refuse to pay for the organic certification even though they may be growing organically. Mm. So we always do a farm visit when we take on a new farmer partnership. And so we'll ask, you know, what, what kinds of growing practices do you have? Do you use any pesticides? How are they stored? You know, what kinds of fertilizers do you use? And it's not that we're necessarily experts in that, but the farmer will tell you and generally be very frank about that. So 
I think that a lot of our farm partners probably could be organic, but they're, they're, they just haven't paid for that. It's impressive that you take the time to make a farm visit. I just want to tell you that. Thank you. You know what? All I can say is that's the best day at work. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> if you're just joining us, we are speaking with Diane Emery, who is an MBA RD. She is the Director of Nutrition Services for Fletcher Allen Healthcare, located in Burlington, Vermont. And the reason why I felt so impressed with Diane's work is that she has made incredibly large strides into changing hospital food system and the whole food system that our patients see and that our patients' families and our health professionals who work in the hospital get to eat every day. And, you know, Diane, I, I'm sure you too as a dietitian often think, gosh, you know, Hippocrates had it right when he said food is our first and best medicine. Absolutely. And you are truly putting this to work. I want to just bring something else up that you've done that I think is terrific at your hospital, in addition to getting rid of the styrofoam, I might add. It's one of my pet peeves, too. But you've focused a lot on reducing waste. Absolutely, yeah. It's a big commitment for us. We have sort of three areas that I describe as our biggest commitments. One is reducing antibiotics in our food supply, our commitment to hospital-supported agriculture, which is our farmer relationships, and then our third program is really reduction of waste. And for two reasons, we've been composting for luckily 15 years or more. I think we were the first hospital in the country to compost food. And that food waste helps, you know, avoiding that food waste going into the landfill helps reduce the gases that contribute to climate change, of course, but also helps us actually like less landfill is a good thing anyway. So we try, we always food compost, but we also have changed most of our serviceware in the retail areas so that anything you eat on, in, or with is either recyclable or compostable. It's a big goal for us. It's, it's tremendous. And I'm only going to assume that the money that you save from reducing waste you can channel then into purchasing higher quality food. We can. Now, I have to admit that the the serviceware on that particular program is definitely more expensive. Mm-hmm. You can't get any cheaper than styrofoam. So you do need to be pretty creative in finding enough ways to save money on other either other disposables or other areas, maybe paper reduction, Sometimes it's as simple as changing a container that you serve something in, even though you've been serving it in that container for 15 years. You do have to be creative because those supplies are still fairly expensive relative to you know, styrofoam on the market. Mm-hmm. Now, do you compost on site at the hospital site? We don't. We compost down in the Intervale, which is a farm community about two miles from the hospital, very sh- I could walk there if I wanted, so we're very lucky to have that so close by. Mm-hmm. And then do you have any gardens on site at the hospital? We do. Actually, it's a fabulous story of how to complete the circle because we buy wonderful food from these farmers down at the Intervale. We serve it to patients. Anything that's composted goes back to them. We buy compost from them for our gardens. It's a great circle. So we have uh, our most recent addition is actually a beautiful, stunningly beautiful rooftop garden. And we've got 20 or so 
huge garden beds up there um, producing fruits and vegetables. We have a kids' tasting garden there where everything's edible. We have a little plum orchard, kiwi vines growing, and it's going to be a LEED-certified space, which is wonderful because we have a commitment to education about healthy food in that area, so we've got great signage and we'll be doing, I hope, we just opened this July, but I hope to be doing um, cooking classes up there next summer. And I need to remind our listeners that we're talking to someone who lives and works in Vermont. So I feel like for anybody who, who feels a little bit intimidated by the weather, if you can do it in Vermont, I would Absolutely. say that we could get it done anywhere in the country. Absolutely. Do you have greenhouses? Is that how you do um, season extension? We don't have greenhouses yet. If you know anyone that's interested in grant um, making, please <laughs> send them my way. Um, we are considering a greenhouse for one of our gardens, which is on the rehab campus for next year. We have a large garden site there as well. I shouldn't forget to tell you about our bees. Oh, yeah. We have uh, seven beehives over at the, the rehab campus that we keep as well. And the beekeeper is the person who serves the organic coffee at our hospital. He's our uh, He runs our coffee kiosk, and he is our beekeeper. And his goal is to produce enough honey to be able to keep up with all of our kitchen needs for baking. Diane, I want to thank you for what you're doing for healthcare. Thank you. Um, you truly are setting a national example. I'm thinking that there might be some listeners who want to change their own food service after hearing you speak. What, I hope so. I hope so, too. How can we direct them? They can certainly look on the Fletcher Allen website, which is FletcherAllen.org. Okay. If they're interested, we do have an online community. They could they can find my email address on that hospital website. We've got lots of information right on our webpage, Nutrition Services. Uh, I would also encourage them to check out a website called NoHarm.org, which is the folks that wrote the Healthy Food and Healthcare Pledge, which we took four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that, yes, that's uh, Healthcare Without Harm, right? Yes. That's Jamie Harvey's group. And we actually had Jamie on Food Food Radio um, yeah. probably several months ago, and, and that interview is also available online if anyone wants it. Diane, it would be unfair of me not to mention that in addition to being the Director of Nutrition Services, you're also a co-author of Cooking Close to Home, A Year of Seasonal Recipes. And while you are based in Vermont, and you certainly have a lot of Vermont-specific items, you also have recipes in here that would apply to anywhere USA. My mouth was watering looking through your fall recipes, Mm -hmm. maple ginger roasted butternut squash, and smoky cider braised Brussels sprouts. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure that everybody knows about your cookbook. It's absolutely stunning, I might add, and very simple Healthy Recipes, Cooking Close to Home, and we can Google that, and you would like to refer people to that website as well, cookingclosetohome.com, right? Correct, yes. Okay. Diane, we've got a few minutes left, and I want to make sure that I give you an opportunity to share with our listeners anything that I may have neglected to ask. Well, I'm trying to think of what else is relevant. I think, you know, I guess my advice, I've been doing a lot of speaking on this, And my advice to folks who are a little bit intimidated in getting started 
is that if you're in my role anywhere in the country, you are the nutrition expert. And if this is the right thing that you think to do, you should be doing it, Mm -hmm. um, I think is my advice. And start small. I think you really can't go wrong. It's the right thing to do. Well, and you certainly have received national attention from the national press. Yes. As you say, you've been speaking all over. Your CEO clearly likes the national attention for doing things right. Absolutely. Do you have any data on healthier patients or speedier outcomes? Are you collecting any of that? You know, I have to confess to not being a very good or interested researcher, <laughs> but I anecdotally have lots of evidence, especially in the retail area, because there's thousands of people that we feed often twice a day, five days a week, and those are our employees. And I've gotten lots of anecdotal stories from folks about, well, I've lost 20 pounds since you opened the Harvest Cafe. Our our goal for the Harvest Cafe actually was to be the most sustainable cafe in healthcare in the country. And so we made some very, very significant leaps when we opened that a year and a half ago. And since then, people have had enough time to really have really direct impact on their health. And I think I see it more often than I've got data for, mm-hmm. um, but certainly intuitively it's working. And we as dietitians know that we are what we eat. So um, how could we not see that data should someone decide to start collecting it? And I would bet that if your hospital employees have lost 20 pounds, I'm just going to guess that they have less health care costs themselves as well as less sick days because they feel better. Absolutely, and we are self-insured. And so, of course, that goes to the bottom line as well. So the, really, when you think about the cost of good food, it's really insignificant. Well, Diane, uh, I want to, again, thank you for changing our health care system I agree with you that more of us need to speak up. I think we all have a responsibility here. We as patients or families of patients need to demand a healthier food system. Those of us working within the system need to recognize that there's something wrong. It seems counterintuitive to feed people food that is not truly healthy and supporting of their health. And I want to thank you for being a leader in this area. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I want to let our listeners know that we, again, have been speaking with Diane Emery, who's the dietitian and director of nutrition services at Fletcher Allen Healthcare. We'll make sure to have a website listed. She's also the author of a beautiful cookbook, Cooking Close to Home, A Year of Seasonal Recipes. I want to thank our listeners for joining us. I want to remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. Thank you again, Diane, for your terrific work. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me.